Okay, who who in, in the crowd here knows what this bad boy is? What bad boy are we talking about? <laughs> you want to feel it? Oh, weed. Oh, no. It's a weed. It's a weed. These evoke strong emotions this time of year, especially among those of us who garden. This was right next to our strawberry plant. Before I share why I brought this, I want to ask you, if you tell your friends about this moment, please clarify that Pastor Scott brought a weed, not weed, to the church next door. I'd appreciate that, okay? So make sure you keep it clear. These have been around since the fall of man in the garden, right? Thorns and thistles, weeds, part of the result of sin. And as much as these bring about strong feelings, I, this morning, also think about the evil that has flowed into our world from that moment. And the strong emotions it brings in us as we live in the middle of it. Sometimes it it leaves us perplexed. I think about that evil and I think about someone that, that our family knew. I'll put his picture up here and maybe some of you uh, knew him as well. This is Grant Griffiths, 58 years old. He did some of our backyard landscaping, witnessed for Christ in his work and his words. I believe he was an elder at his church, a youth pastor at his church at one point. The sheriff's announced recently that there is a murder investigation underway. They believe he was murdered at his Coyote Springs home last week. I want us to pray for his family, but it's situations uh, like that that in our quiet, honest moments perhaps raise questions in our minds. If we allow our minds to go there like... Hey, I I believe Jesus is seated on a throne next to His Father. And and yet, things like this are still happening in our world. So what gives? You You ever wrestle with that? Jesus' disciples in Matthew 13 were likely wrestling with their very own questions about Jesus as King and His kingdom that side of the cross. There's a couple reasons for that. One, John the Baptist in Matthew 3 said the Messiah was going to come and judge evil. He's going to burn that chaff. But where was John the Baptist at this moment? In Herod's prison. That could create a question, right? Not to mention, Jesus was unlike any king that most of the Jews could imagine. He was in the process of being rejected by the Jewish leaders, many of them. So what kind of king is this? And that question would grow even stronger when he started to tell them, guys, I'm going to a cross. What kind of king goes to a cross? What kind of kingdom is this? That's why earlier in Matthew 13, 11, he had said to his disciples, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Say, what are these mysteries? The Old Testament talked about the kingdom of God. Yeah, it did. But you know what? It it focused on the end result. The total destruction of all evil and wickedness in the world and eternal bliss between God and His children. That's where the Old Testament focus was. It, It didn't really focus on this 
time of mixture that we find ourselves living in between Israel's rejection and, and Christ's second coming that, that we're looking for. It's an interesting time that sometimes leaves us perplexed. David Hubbard put it this way. He said, the kingdom is here in the love and power which Jesus demonstrated, but it is still to come in its judging glory. It is here in its life-changing might, but it is not yet here in its world-shaking majesty. You understand what he's saying? Jesus knew they would have these questions. He knew they would have this perplexity, so he told a parable to address it. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 13, verse 24. As he put another parable before them, this is in a chapter of seven parables, put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man. Not not just a man. We can't stop there. This doesn't mean that the kingdom of heaven likes beef jerky and shooting guns. Like I was out shooting guns with my boys and the Mailer boys yesterday, and I got a bruise here to prove it from that shotgun. It, it, it doesn't mean the kingdom of heaven is just like a man. It, it's just like a man and the whole situation going on on his farm here. We've got to keep reading to see what the analogy is. The kingdom of heaven is like this situation on this man's farm. This man sowed good seed in his field. Verse 25, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Now, a couple things here. When did the enemy do this in the story? While they were sleeping. sleeping. Here you see the the sneakiness, the, the deceptiveness of the enemy. Did his work at night. Lots of stuff happens at night. I got a confession some of you have heard before. One of my first romantic encounters with Carolyn happened at, at night. My friends and I in our youth group and college group would, would often go and toilet paper other people's houses in the youth group. And I was taking a liking to Carolyn, so we were going to her house, and, and we kind of blackmailed her. We said, hey, if you come with us and get the next house, we won't get your house. Wait a minute. So I handed Carolyn a roll of toilet paper, and off we went on one of our early romantic moments. How many of you? How many of you have ever toilet papered a house? I've never been okay. You may differ, but that, that's a prank. Okay, that's a prank. There's a difference between a prank and what this guy's up to. This sowing weeds in another man's field is criminal. There were actually laws in the Roman Empire against it. This was a real thing that happened. And even in India today, there's writings of one man threatening another man. I'm going to sow weeds in your field. It's especially heinous when you think about the fact that bread was the staple in this culture. You mess with a man's wheat field, you're not only messing with his livelihood, you're messing with his ability to feed his family. So you can see not only is the enemy sneaky, but he's malicious. Because the enemy gains nothing from this other than the joy of watching the owner of this field suffer with the weeds, right? It's, it's malicious. 
Let's go on. Verse 26, when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? It's a good question. They were sleeping when it happened, right? But he knew. Verse 28, he said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? Want us to go yank up the weeds? That's a natural question, right? You can understand. They love their master. Have no affinity for weeds. Let's go yank them. But what's he say? Verse 29. He said, no. No, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Most scholars believe this was a particular kind of weed that was common in Israel called bearded darnel. The Jews called it bastard wheat because in its early stages, it looked just like wheat. You could not tell them apart until the wheat had headed out at the end of its maturity. But this bearded darnel though it looked like the wheat was actually poisonous to any animal or any man that would eat it. Not to mention, the roots of the weeds would often entwine themselves around the roots of the wheat. So you yank the weed, you yank the wheat. The owner says, let them both grow. Let them both grow together until the harvest. They, they would harvest by hand. At that point, once the wheat had headed out, it would be easy to see the difference between wheat and weeds. Let them both grow until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burnt. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now I want to talk to you about the parable explain. What does it mean? Verse 36, a little lower in your chapter. Because then he left the crowds and went into the house. We've talked about this house before in Matthew. It's likely in Capernaum. Possibly Peter's home there. Left the crowds, went into the home, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Now I love the posture of the disciples. They want to know what it means and they ask Jesus. We talked last week about how that's an important posture in the life of the disciple. We don't understand something. Keep coming back to him. Keep coming back to his word. What does it mean? It's like, uh, do you remember growing up around Christmas time if your grandparents were like mine sometimes? Or you'd get a church basket with these in it. You, there would be these, these plates out of nuts in the shell. Right? I don't see them that much anymore. I was talking about Carolyn the other day about these. I get kind of nostalgic. Like, I just want to get some. You remember those? And there was always this gray nutcracker on there. And if you wanted to enjoy the meat of that walnut or, or that Brazil nut, the only way to do it is if you're willing to get that nutcracker and start cracking. Right? The disciples' nutcracker when it came to Jesus' teaching was their questions. And that's still available to his followers today. Most of the people in that crowd heard a cool story about weeds and wheat, and that was it. But they said, Lord, we want to know what it means. And the really cool thing is, he answered. He answered. Verse 37. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. 
Jesus is saying, that's me. I, I sow the good seed, the message of my kingdom. Verse 38, the field is the world. Not the church like many early interpreters went with this. It's, it's, it's the world. That's the field. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. You could add daughters there. Legitimately, those who believe and receive the message of the king, who submit to him as king and are citizens of his kingdom. Good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. You think of that phrase there and you think of John 8 when Jesus was talking with some of the Jewish leaders who rejected him. They, they said, God's our father. He said, huh, uh the enemy is your father because you do the things the enemy does. You, you walk in his ways. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The word here is diabolos. The Greek word that brings out how sneaky, how deceptive, how malicious Satan is in his work. How much he hates Jesus. I like what one author said. Satan likes to hide in the dark, but in passages like this, repeatedly, Jesus, like with a snake, grabs him out of his hole and, and holds him up like this for all of us to understand just who he is. He's malicious. He's deceptive. He hates God and the things of God. He goes on, he says, the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Now, these are important points here. When is the harvest, according to this? Is it, is it now that, that the weeds are to be yanked out of the ground? No. He says, let it grow until the end of the age. You say, when's that? The Christians have debated the exact timing of this for 2,000 years. The way I understand it, the next thing the church is waiting for is the rapture, where we're called up to meet Him in the sky. And there will be a seven-year tribulation of trouble unlike anything this world has ever known for those left behind. After that tribulation, Christ comes down, touches foot on planet Earth, and prepares His millennial reign. One thousand years of reign with Christ on David's throne. I believe it's that moment that we're talking about here, the end of the age. Not now. Who are the reapers? Is it the sons and daughters of the kingdom? Is it, is it us believers today? No. No. Who's he say the reapers are? The angels. Anybody in here an angel? Important point here. Thank you, Keith. <laughs> You and I are not the reapers. No. The angels are the reapers. Verse 40, Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That last phrase ought to weigh heavy on every one of our hearts. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, that points to the emotional and physical suffering for all eternity in the lake of fire for those who reject 
Jesus. Verse 43. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. This is very picturesque. If you've ever looked at a wheat field or another grain field as the sun goes down at night and it's shining on it. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. And Jews listening in would have already caught the reference to the Son of Man from Daniel. That's the owner of the field. They also would have thought of Daniel 12 at this point. This shining. Daniel 12.2 says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Listen, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. At that moment that is coming, believer in Jesus Christ, all evil and all suffering will be a thing of the past. It's coming. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. It doesn't mean just the auditory canal. It means, let me hear this in a way that affects my life. What are we to do with this? And that's what I want to spend our last moments doing this morning. I want to do it through the use of four P's to help us remember. The first P is we all need to ponder. Ponder this parable. There is a question that is more important than any other question you will ever wrestle with. And it is this. Am I wheat or a weed? Am I a son of the kingdom or a son of the evil one? This question is all the more pertinent when you think about how much they looked alike in the early stages. Herbert Lockyer put it like this, Many who are not the Lord's yet resemble those who are. They go to church, pray, read the Bible like Christians, but alas, are Christless. And that is the fork in the road. Do you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ? Forget the externals for a moment. You can fool a lot of people. You can't fool God. Do you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ? Or are you Christless? If the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now and you're looking at your life and saying, man, I'm the weediest of the weeds there ever was. I don't think there could be hope for a weed like me. That's a lie. That's a lie. We live in an age right now where by God's grace, weeds can still become wheat. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Titus 3.5 says He saved us not because of righteous things we had done. It's not our resume. It's not our works. Not our works, but because of His mercy. There is mercy for the sinner today. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? His death on the cross and His resurrection for forgiveness and victory. Ponder that. Second P I want to talk about is peace. 
peace for the believer. We, we looked at the fact that Jesus said the field is the world. But look back at verse 27 in this chapter. His guys say to the master of the home, the son of man, they said to him, did you not sow good seed in your field? Your field. So if the field is the world and they call it his field, what's that mean? This is his world. It's like the old song says, this is my father's world. Do not forget that, even as we go through this mixed up time of history. I like the way G. Campbell Morgan put it. Everything belongs to him. Mountains and valleys, continents and countries, beasts and birds, flowers and fruits, and men of all kindreds and tribes and nations. As some of us travel around this summer and you see some of those things, remember that. It's all his. Correct. It's all his. G. Campbell Morgan goes on. He said, even though Satan has been allotted some power for this temporary period as the God of this age, it is still nonetheless true that he is a trespasser. He is a trespasser. And listen to these words. Morgan said, we have been too ready to yield to Satan as his right everything upon which his hand rests. Our business is ever to say, hands off in the name of the proprietor. It's an invitation. Hold faith in the proprietor. Peace you can have because it's our Father's world. Peace you can have because of what Jesus said to his disciples. In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. There is peace available even in this mixed up perplexing time. Now I want to talk to you about our purpose as God's children during this period of history. First, a couple of things our purpose is not as His church. We are not to be weed wannabes. There are too many churches chucking parts of the Bible in order to be more like the world in a misguided attempt to reach them. If you are a son or daughter of the kingdom, you are wheat. You are not a weed. Do not be a weed wannabe. This second one is also equally important. We are not to be weed whackers. Correct. Do not, do not confuse your job with that of the angels. It is the angels' job to yank the weeds at the end of the age. Not yours, not mine. You think of moments in church history like the awful escapades of the Spanish Inquisition where the church got a big head and worldly power and said, we are going to kill those who do not believe as we believe the Bible does. And they killed thousands of people. Moments like that tarnish and diminish the witness of the church. We are not weed whackers. So you say, what are we? We're witnesses. We are called to be witnesses to the weeds. You say, does that mean we don't care about evil? That we don't speak against it? That we don't stand against it? No, it does not mean that. I was listening to Striper when I was out for my run yesterday morning. 
And I'll change one word, even though they use the real word appropriately because there's young in, ears in here. But the song was called God Darn Evil. Oh. <laughs> and there are three lines in that song that I think sum up the appropriate balance for the believer today. God darn evil. God darn it all. But God save the people. Can we strike that balance as truth speakers who are also witnesses of the good news of Jesus Christ? Listen, if we think it's our job to yank weeds, that's got to be disappointing every day because just look around. Look around. Jesus said it ain't going to happen until he comes back. So stop pretending that's your main purpose here. It's not. If you think that's your main purpose and you look around, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to get jaded because it ain't happening, right? You're either going to become jaded because you understand that is your purpose or you're going to accept your purpose as a messenger of the good news and you're going to become more like Jesus who came to seek and save the lost. But that also Correct. I think about that difference between jaded and like Jesus. And I think about this stuff. Yesterday I went out to change a screen on a bathroom window that had been hit by hail. Oh, really? And I was under the illusion that I would be able to reuse the rubber spline that was already in there. And I started to pull it, break, break this 20-year-old baked-in-the-sun-for-two-decades rubber spline. <laughs> was so hard, I had to chip it out of there with a screwdriver. And by the time I was done, there was this hardened mess of black yuck on the driveway. It was too hardened to be used again. You think your purpose is to yank weeds, that's where you're going to end up. You're going to end up jaded because it is not happening. You want to realize your purpose as a witness for Jesus. Become more like Him and stay pliable, tender, Usable that the Master might shape you for the purpose He has intended you for. To be a witness. To grow. To, to bear fruit. To be salt and light. Because we live in an age where the weed can still become wheat. By God's grace. I think about that being a witness and I come back to Grant. I want to show you something. Many of you know he... He had his own landscaping company in town. That's where we met him. I want to go to that second picture because I saw his trailer on a street in our neighborhood yesterday. And I took a picture of it. He continues to witness this side of the, the grave. New Life Landscapes. And I decided to look up the verse. Acts 5.20. You know where that verse is? It's where Peter had been thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. And the angel showed up to let him out. I want to ask you a question. Did the angel say, hey, Peter, here's a sword. Go get him. No. No. You know what he told Peter? Listen to Acts 5, verse 20. Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Proclaim the good news of Jesus, Peter. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. I see it. 
happening today. I, I heard a story of Kevin, one of our local police officers, deacon at this church. He was off duty with his wife, Johanna. And, you know, police work never dies just because you're off duty. A guy came running and said, I've been robbed, I've been robbed. And the guy had called the police, but he was looking for help. Kevin's off duty, but he says, what happened? He said, somebody took all the money out of my wallet. And Kevin and Johanna talked with him and, and listened to him and made sure the police were coming. But in the middle of it all, Kevin said, hey, can we pray for you? Can we, can we pray together? I know this is a hard moment. And Kevin and Johanna prayed with this fellow, Lord, help him through this, etc. Provide for him. And Kevin said shortly after they prayed, a restaurant owner of a restaurant nearby who knew what had happened came out with a wad of cash in the amount that had been taken from this man and said, here, this is for you. What happened there? Kevin and Johanna were a witness by praying to God. And God was glorified because He showed that man, I, I care about you. There was salt and light on a normal day. I want to share one more example of being a witness in the world. And it might seem an odd place to go at first. It has to do with Covenant Christian School in Nashville, Tennessee. Keep that verse 43 in mind. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. You say, why do you go there? That was an awful occasion. You remember in March, an armed 28-year-old named Audrey Hale ensnared in the lies of the enemy regarding transgenderism took a weapon into that Christian school and killed six people from ages 9 to 61. Most of us knew this part of the story, but Carolyn shared something that I never knew. A woman named Karen Kingsbury wrote this down. I want you to look at a picture as I share what she wrote. I can't say it better than her. Stephen's going to put it up there. She wrote this on April 14th on Instagram. She said, this is a miracle story. Yesterday was sunny in Nashville. It's been that way since Easter Sunday morning. But in the early evening, clouds gathered and a very brief rain fell, minutes at most. Even then, the sun never stopped shining. At the same time, the families of Covenant School were meeting for the very first time since the act of hate that took place at their school three weeks earlier. Covenant families, all of them choosing to reclaim their school and building and land because of their trust in Jesus. And so they met at the school and worshipped the Creator. They publicly declared their trust and faith in Him. That though this world be dark and getting darker, His light will always win, always prevail. He's the only way out of this place we call home. The only way to our eternal life with Him. Forever, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. She goes on. She said the Covenant families declared that yesterday. Then as they were about to enter the building, they saw this. Yesterday's double rainbow lit up the sky for only a few minutes, all while the sun shone. But it happened at the exact time when the Covenant families were entering the school building. A double rainbow that spanned from one side of the school to the other. She says, listen to this from the Bible. I have set my rainbow in the clouds. And it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. 
I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Genesis 9.16. She closes with this. No way you can make this stuff up, friends. The rainbow is and always will be God's covenant sign between Himself and us. By the way, the outpouring of love here in Nashville toward covenant has been breathtaking. Yes, we mourn and grieve the loss of life and innocence. We always will. But we stand strong. We remain. And when you think of being a witness, listen to this last part, she writes. She says, and get this, something you will not hear on the news. A number of Covenant's families anonymously pulled together to pay for the shooter's funeral. Because Jesus says, love your enemies. She closes with this word. Take a minute. Breathe. Look out at the sky. Believer, God is for you. He's for the families at Covenant. And He gave them a double rainbow yesterday to prove it. They knew their purpose, even in the darkness, to be a witness. I want to close with one final P. If you hold on to those realities, I believe it's going to give you perseverance. Perseverance in this mixed up period we live in. I'll leave you with a verse I hold on to. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Isaiah 41.13 Lord, I thank You for Jesus. I thank You that He does not beat around the bush with His disciples or with us. He does not paint a pie-in-the-sky picture of life in this world till He comes. He speaks truth. That deepens our faith in Him. We look around and see the truth of what He said. I pray, Lord, that You would remind us as Your church of our purpose in this time. To be witnesses who share the good news with those around us who need salvation. I pray for anyone in the midst of that perplexity right now that You would help them through Christ to find that peace and that perseverance they need to take that next step. Pray for any of those who pondered that eternal question, am I a weed or a weed? And, and He pointed and said, you're a weed. Come to the cross, child. Draw them to Jesus in these moments, Lord. May they put their faith and trust in the mercy of the Savior. And Lord, I pray that as we step out of here, that You would use us in the midst of this craziness, just like You used covenant school in the midst of the darkness to reflect Your light, to be the light of the world even today. I pray Your encouragement for the discouraged, Your strength for the weak. I pray for Grant's family during this difficult time that You might pour Your peace that passes all understanding upon them as they cling to You. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.